1: Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show.
0: Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with not one, but two incredible guests, Susanna Rose and Andre Lazarus, here to talk about consensual non-monogamy. Hello to both of you and welcome to the show.
2: Hello, Zach. Thank you for having
1: us. Hello, hello. We're happy to be here.
0: I'll introduce you one at a time. So for those that don't know, Andre Lazarus is a certified intimacy, sex, and relationship guide and surrogate partner with a decade of experience helping individuals and couples discover their intimate and erotic power. How are you today, Andre?
2: I am doing beautifully. Uh, Weather is beautiful outside and I'm excited to uh, talk about all the things that are juicy in the consensual Mm. non-monogamy world.
0: Me too. Me too. And next we have Susanna Rose. After serving as a Marine Corps officer through two combat tours in Afghanistan, Susanna now serves as a dedicated warrior for peace and embodied consciousness guide. She co-founded the House of Metamorphosis, an organization that offers healing retreats and transformative coaching programs. Hello, Susanna. How are you today?
1: Hi, hi, Zach. I am spectacular, except for my itchy feet from these mosquito bites. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful.
0: Um, And the both of you have been experienced practitioners of consensual non-monogamy with more than 16 years of combined experience navigating open relationships, and together they have online courses and programs to help others do the same. So thank you both so much for joining me. I sometimes think about the old joke that the polyamorous mating call is, okay, everyone, get out your calendars because of how busy life can get <laughs> with multiple partners. So Accurate. On, on a scale of one to 10, how busy are you guys? How's your social lives? How's maintaining <laughs> multiple intimate relationships at a time?
2: It's good that we have one to 10 because, it, yeah. <laughs> are we, can we turn it up to 11? Um, yeah. yeah, that's a great question. I feel our social calendars and how busy we are does shift uh, depending on the year, depending on the season. Generally, winter slows down a bit uh, just because we're maybe not traveling as much and we like to nest in the winter. But I would say the last three years have been quite the blur just from the partners that we've uh, connected with, our businesses growing And just also spending time with ourselves, which Mm -hmm. um, also needs to be scheduled because if at least I'll speak for myself, if I don't, then it just doesn't happen.
1: Hmm. Yeah. um, The process of scheduling is, I feel like, (laughs) um, (laughs) takes up a good amount of my time of just trying to fit things on the calendar and we're grateful to now have help in that regard. Uh, and I feel like in any kind of consensually non-monogamous relationship it is actually so true there's there's been several times that we've been with friends and we've been thinking we've been talking to them about like building an app that's specifically mm. for <laughs> CNM or polyamorous couples, so that Mm. we can all coordinate our calendars.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And I'm like, there's got to be, I mean, there's got to be like a a target audience out there for that.
2: We're Mm. we're actually looking for investors, Zach. So if (laughs) you're if you're in the market.
0: Um I do know that you can share Google calendars, but you're right, it would be would be nice to have kind of a group setting for, and you can add yeah. an, and subtract people out as you turn that subtract portion is very important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm I'm taking you out of my calendar. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> So let's just cover some basic terms here. Um, you both seem to, seem to prefer the term consensual non-monogamy or CNM. And I'm curious where you put that in the world of, say, open relationships, swinging, polyamory, fucking around, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, it's a good question. I'll say it for myself, we landed on consensual non-monogamy because in the realm of polyamory, open relationships, swinging, all these other identifiers or labels that people might know more well, like know better, um, we found that they all kind of fell under the umbrella of how people explore non-monogamy in what we believe is a safe and consensual way. While there will be non-monogamy that might be non-consensual, you know, cheating or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe being deceitful we find that all those other elements really fall under the umbrella of consensual non-monogamy. And putting Mm. any one of those above consensual non-monogamy didn't really make sense as we were living our lives, having these experiences with people, also bouncing ideas off of people who were also polyamorous, swingers, relationship anarchists. Consensual non-monogamy was a way where we could really describe what it's like to Explore with multiple people, and it doesn't have to be in a sexual realm. It could just be emotional or spiritual, but in a consensual way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did I nail that?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that's all encompassing. And if there was any term that feels somewhat similar to consensual non monogamy, it would be open. Right, open Mm. is also a sort of larger category that can then be drilled down to more like okay what are the actual boundaries in your in your relationship but we mm. like having a broader term that gives us a lot of room to yeah to shift and grow because it's all it's all on a spectrum right it's just what mm. your boundaries are and what your what feels comfortable in your relationship
2: mm. yeah for instance you could actually be in a monogamous relationship and have some form of baked in boundary or special circumstance where you get to explore maybe one weekend a year. Does that mean you're technically open? I, I don't know. Maybe it depends on what how you define it, but in a way you're practicing non-monogamy in that experience. So that's mm-hmm. why we we thought about consensual non-monogamy, vice talking about just open relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call that the hall pass model. Yeah. <laughs> you get a weekend
0: or a week <laughs> or something. It's pretty rare, but um I'm super curious both what first got you into it um and then the biggest mistake that you made when you were amateurs. Oh, <laughs> was <it is> so <laughs> dropping bombs. Throw <Well,
2: laughs> the grenade and run. <laughs> yeah, so for myself, well, I feel like I realized I was desiring more than the traditional monogamous relationship very early in my life, like even in my very early teens, maybe even going back to middle school. And mm-hmm. I just didn't realize what it was that I was interested in or what I it was I was going to be exploring later on in my life. But when it came to us really diving into this we've been exploring this together from the get-go from the moment that we became solidified as like really nested partners we've been open and that's now coming on nine years so that was kind of where that journey started i'll speak for myself how about you when it came to like when you started Tapping into that desire of maybe monogamy wasn't
1: well. The question is, what is your biggest mistake?
2: Well, haven't we got to go? We gotta, oh, we gotta I get, see. We gotta, <laughs> we'll, we'll get
1: there. We'll get there. Uh, okay. So when when in my life did I begin yeah, like, to feel that way? Yeah. Well, I found myself to be multisexual very young, mm. and that to me didn't necessarily translate into non monogamous. However, I refused to commit to anyone until I had the boyfriend who became my fiance who became my husband in in a past life and that so I do feel like I was practicing non-monogamy I just n- never wanted to be tied to any one person because I felt like that was so limiting especially as a young person so had I known that there was this other category of of being in a relationship, I very likely would have chosen that, and I would have chosen to be multisexual as well, so dating different genders and things like that, and I just had no idea yeah. until until you. Yeah,
2: I think that's why this has been so special for us is because we really have come from the inception of this together and are mm-hmm. constantly learning through it. To go to your second question on... The biggest mistake, I'm starting to rewrite the way that I look at mistakes and say that they were learning opportunities because Mm -hmm. where I'm at in my life right now with Susanna, I couldn't be happier. And so all of those mistakes and transgressions and missed opportunities happened for a reason and led me to where I am. But mm-hmm. I would say one of the. So, your
0: biggest learning opportunity. Yeah. Right? One of
2: those really <laughs> large learning opportunities was finding out that I had a voice in speaking my truth and not feeling shame in my desires and exploration, and perhaps not feeling confident enough at an earlier age to begin that, that it took some time. Mm-hmm. So that was my biggest like growth opportunity was yeah, just not you,
1: like a whole 10 year, 10 year relationship, seven year marriage yeah. to figure that out.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it took, it took considerable amount of time. So mm-hmm. if I could rewind the clock and go back and do all these things in my time machine, it would be to realize I have that power. I have the ability to step into my erotic potential at an earlier, earlier age.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is hard. I am very similar to him. I've, I see these as growth opportunities and, and growth moments. And often they're growth moments with pain and discomfort along with that. So that's kind of how I define a mistake. And all the mistakes have led me here. So this is, it's all perfect. Maybe the toughest, actually uh, the most fundamental and maybe a fun one (laughs) is I thought I was a sub. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we learned very quickly <laughs> that I am not, in fact, a submissive at all. I am at most a brat and uh, I really struggle with being submissive. And so we started our relationship with a contract and we were um, – Andre was doming me and he had an idea that it was going to be 24-7 dom. And I had an idea that it was like just in the bedroom, Dom. So there was just like so much miscommunication around this. And we thought we like nailed it. We even like wrote a contract and all these things. And we totally did not nail it. And it was just a big old mess. And we were both upset at each other because neither of us really fit into the – maybe Maybe you are more Dom. But even then with me, I feel like it just wasn't a fit in that in that time so that was Mm. a hilarious quote-unquote mistake that we made (laughs) she got in trouble a lot I did (laughs) and I liked it (laughs) and also did it it.
0: (laughs) so hearing both your stories I want to try to connect them because I guess when I was hearing Andre you're talking about not feeling authentically able to express your desires I was thinking about how As a society, we are kind of taught that relationships are supposed to be a certain way and we might feel a sense of guilt or shame when our inner desires don't match with that. Yeah. So it's hard to figure out like authentically what it is that we want. And it's also hard at the same time to predict what we want or predict how we're going to feel in a certain situation. So maybe we even think we have this sexual fantasy and then it comes to fruition and we're like actually no I'm not I'm not into this at all. But that is sometimes a story that you hear about people having fantasies, maybe being with other people, or just they're not happy in their relationship, and they think opening it up will be a solution. Mm -hmm. And they end up uh, realizing it was a big mistake. um, Or they are just overcome, you know, sure, you can go on a date tonight, and then you end up just crying at home alone in in the fetal position in the bathroom because you didn't realize the emotions Mm -hmm. that were going to come up for you. So I'm curious your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I feel you only really know what you know and the amount of education you have on any topic is going to provide you the landscape of how to understand what you're going into. And relationships are the exact same way, as well as fantasies and erotic desires and the BDSM lifestyle. So where I see people like maybe making mistakes or perhaps not being as knowledgeable as they could be and kind of navigating this arena with not as many tools is going too fast or trying Mm. to like mimic or mirror what they see on television or what they see from their neighbors across the street and say, Oh, uh, Karen and Joe are in an open relationship and they go out on dates three times a week. So that must mean that's what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. knowing full well that maybe your nervous system or your partner's nervous system is not really designed for that in the current moment or perhaps ever so that's where like you have the ability to create your own unique relationship dynamic. But a lot of people don't realize that there's this idea that you're either monogamous or you're polyamorous and there's not this like room in between the two. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see a lot of like those mistakes or missed opportunities where people kind of throw up their hands up in the air and say, Oh, this doesn't work. You know, Mm -hmm. polyamory is a joke. You know, it's, it's born to fail or just not designed for it. You might be, you just might be navigating it in a way that just doesn't feel good to you. And that's where like communicating and talking about what does work for your relationship. That's where you kind of start.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I love that. And what I'll add to this is Something that is so important for me to share, and for for us and our relationship, is that the relationship between the the partnership. If you are in a partnership and you're not um, single polyamorous or um, what is it? solo polyamorous, thank you solo polyamorous. Then focusing on. The love between you and the love bond being incredibly strong, and then allowing your love to flow over and be abundant into those other relationships. So, actually, where the love starts is between you two. And the idea of polyamory or consensual non monogamy being a solution for the challenges that are between you, that's it's exact, it's going to do the exact opposite. It's going to um, highlight the places where your relationship is weak. and if it's and if we are seeking f- for it to be a band-aid or some sort of healing agent for the problems that are going on your in your relationship, it's kind of like having a child to save your marriage. It is mm-hmm. not a great idea. <laughs> not a great idea to do it that way. So I always encourage people to really get strong in their love bond not only before but also during while you're exploring consensual non-monogamy that's incredibly important another point i'll make is that the feelings that you're going to experience in consensual non-monogamy are often very similar experiences that you're going you will eventually get to in mon- in a monogamous relationship but you just come up against them a lot faster because you're ex- you're exposing yourselves to a lot more external input. So jealousy may not be something that you experience early on in a monogamous relationship, but once people stop having the same level of um desire for each other and then, you know, eyes start to wander, then jealousy comes up. It's not that jealousy doesn't exist in monogamous relationships and it does in consensual non-monogamy, we just we take the fire hose effect of like all going through the shadows and the trauma very early on.
0: Yeah, it's interesting hearing you talk about focusing on the love bond that you have with your partner and really making sure that's strong be- before exploring other things. Because I do think um that some people might think that exploring alternative relationship paradigms as a solution to their current relationship foibles. Mm -hmm. But I also want to ask you about the kind of opposite perception that other relationships are a threat to my current one. And there is a big concern, for example, that if me and my partner open up our relationship, that they are then going to fall in love with somebody else and leave me for that person. And... I'm curious if you think that's unfounded or if there are reasonable strategies to protect such things from happening or what you recommend for someone who is afraid of what other people and other relationships might dissolve their own relationship.
1: Mm, mm. I, am, I am very acquainted with this feeling and also with jealousy and envy in general and the concept of like, Oh, I, I whatever my partner is having without me means that I don't matter or means that I uh, am less there's less love for me, that kind of thing. Lots of these narratives come up. Mm-hmm. and and to be honest, in real life, I have seen several relationships where someone where they were in a polyamorous relationship and they did leave for another partner and it and it dissolved the marriage or the the initial partnership. And ultimately those things happened for the best. They were they were a beautiful transition and evolution for all of those people. Mm-hmm. But the process of the breaking up and dissolving was very painful. So the way I would offer to although I wouldn't use the word protect because protection can sometimes limit us, I would simply say that creating a really solid foundation is the best thing that we can do to safeguard or to create immense safety in the relationship so that each person knows how prioritized they are. Mm -hmm. And every person, every relationship is going to do this a little differently we like the method, uh, we have a framework called CAST, which is communication, appreciation, safety, and trust. Mm-hmm. And the first three kind of make up the trust piece, um, but essentially creating avenues for open communication and authentic sharing, and then Regular appreciation of each other and honoring and gratitude, sharing that with each other, and then mm-hmm. creating elements of safety in the relationship, which all kind of feed into the over the the sort of foundation of trust. And to me, that is the way to do it. And then we have to let go. We have to surrender mm-hmm. to what the other partner is um, really desiring. And that process of surrendering is. I I will tell you, is terrifying. It's so scary sometimes. <laughs> it's so scary. He's like, no, he's going to – but look at that person. She's so much more beautiful than I am, et cetera, whatever I have going into my mind. And – that process of him going out and being with other people and then coming back to me repeatedly over and over and over again, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm being trained like a dog. I'm like, oh, you're not going to leave forever. You're going to come home and you're going to come back. Mm-hmm. And then we just continue to choose each other every single day. So that's those are the recommendations I'd offer um, to create that foundation.
2: I also look at the idea of another connection or another person being a quote unquote threat as you say to the relationship as this maybe this illusion that I like to I, I like to see as an illusion of possession or ownership mm-hmm. and that because I am partnered with this individual that I now have some form of like claim or stake to all of their, desires, all of their happiness, every thought, every experience they have, in a way is mine. So when they are now interested in looking at that or exploring that with someone else, that threat of I'm losing control of what this connection is, and I'm going to be replaced, or I'm no longer going to be number one. That happens in monogamy, too. It's just a matter of, again, that consensual piece. Relationships over the years tend to, you know, need a little bit of a spark. And when that spark doesn't take place and when there isn't some really hard looking at the relationship to say, what are we missing here? Or what can we not fill in for each other? That person or persons are going to try to find that somewhere else. And that's Mm -hmm. where infidelity happens and where... Um, there's like a little bit less of that consensuality taking place. So I'd say when it comes to relationships and the feeling of that threat or the jealousy or the I'm not enough, it's that communication piece that Susanna was talking about. If you Mm -hmm. are talking about your wants and desires and that partner sitting across from you is not able to meet that or just is not interested in it um, the same way you are, can you sit and talk and say, Hey, maybe there's a way that we can create a world where we can actually get almost anything we want. And we don't have to put that burden in a way on that other partner to take up the mantle of all of these emotions and all of these activities and all of these feelings. Cause that's, I don't know that that's, setting people up for a lot of expectation and also setting people up for disappointment at least from my experience in my life and as well as like the clients i work with too.
0: Hmm. So i do love that acronym communication appreciation safety trust aka cast. And is that
2: like a daily practice? Conversation? Can be, it's sure. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, daily. I mean, we have we have at least 3 or 4 separate daily rituals that we do on a monthly basis so we'll have like one ritual um that might be 15 minutes one day a week and then another that might be a half hour and in Mm -hmm. those rituals that we've created there's always communication there's always Mm -hmm. some form of appreciation during or towards the end the safety in knowing that I am going to be held when I'm sharing something vulnerable and sometimes hard to hear or vice versa, and then trusting that we're going to continue these rituals and continue really putting our relationship, not just together, but with ourselves as a priority. Like, am I, Andre, feeling fulfillment in my life? And Susanna, is Susanna feeling fulfillment in her life? And if there might be some missed like missed points in that, how do we come together and talk about that?
0: Hmm. So something that's coming up for me listening to you is something I think a lot about essentially around how in modern relationships, almost everything is negotiated. Mm -hmm. Meaning that decades ago, your marriage was decided a lot by your family, by like who lived next to you. And you kind of stayed in your marriage out of duty and obligation and you Also, follow relatively strict gender roles. You know, who was the breadwinner and who stayed at home. Mm -hmm. And now all those things are discussions, right? Who's going to make the money? Who's going to stay at home? Who's going to wake up and change the diaper? Who's going to uh, clean the house? Like all these things negotiated. And when you open up to a world of non monogamy, then we get to talk about and negotiate lots more things. Like, are you my sexual partner or my life partner or my nesting partner or my kink partner? And I'm kind of curious, both how do I or we decide what relationship format, uh, what type of ethical non-monogamy is right um, for, say, if I'm in a partnership or not? And what are some of those things that are really important to kind of decide on or negotiate or talk about?
1: Love this question. First of all, I'm the daughter of lawyers. So negotiation is one of my favorite things. (laughs) I've been negotiating everything in my life since I was like five years old. My parents were like, okay, when, you know, put on a case for, you know, why you need that new dress and and we'll see if if you deserve it. (laughs) So, um, I demand no, in- a
0: bedtime at 9.30 <laughs> tonight.
1: <laughs> so as you negotiate in a relationship, uh, they're especially around consensual non-monogamy. This is why I often say that consensual non-monogamy and monogamy to me are all in the same spectrum. It's just where are your boundaries? So hmm. you could be um, fully polyamorous with multiple Metamors and multiple partners. You could even live with multiple people and have fully romantic, deep connected relationships with those. And then on the other, on the very other side of the spectrum, you could be Mike Pence and not allow your partner to go eat dinner with anyone of the opposite sex unless <laughs> someone of that gender is also there. So there's like this wide spectrum of like, where Mm -hmm. do you fall in this place of of really understanding what boundaries feel really good. So we actually have a worksheet that you can download um, that that helps you with this. But essentially, you are going to want to talk about the various aspects of your relationship. So you could even – Break it down. I forget exactly how the the worksheet breaks it down, but we have little check boxes, and you actually get to say, "Okay, I'm comfortable with you having penetrative experiences with someone of the opposite gender, or a different, or this gender, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm not okay with you having penetrative experiences with someone of this gender. I am okay with you cuddling with these." People, and some people will even do this by like zip code. So it's like, oh, you can explore when you're outside of the zip code, but when you're inside of the zip code, um, we are we are essentially monogamous. Um, and a, and a lot of times people will do that for for their you know how they show up in their community that kind of thing. So we break it. You can break it down by all these different categories of physical touch of emotional intimacy, of even mental connection. And I find that even getting down to like the very detailed things, which sometimes you don't even know about until you discover them, but like, oh, please don't text your metamors while we're having dinner, things Mm -hmm. like that. Right. So it could also be around communication um, methods and, and how you, um, what labels you use for other people. So I would recommend for people to just go through every possible scenario they can think of and then write down the things that feel really good and have your partner do the same thing separately. And then you can kind of come together and compare what your boundaries look like.
2: Hmm. Yeah, very well said. And I think condensing it into just a few words are Research and practice. Mm. Research the different types of relationship dynamics that people have already like blazed the trail on and see how that feels to your nervous system and then practice it and talk about what it looks like before going out and actually doing it. So role play, like role play, what it would be like to go out on a date by yourself as a couple going to a play party going to a BDSM dungeon and just talking about that. See if you get excited, see if you get turned on, see if you're, you know, asshole puckers because you're like so afraid to even like venture into that realm. Maybe you're not ready to go there yet. So Mm -hmm. researching all of these different ways of being in a relationship and then giving it a try because no matter how much you practice, 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 like, until you actually step out and do it, it's still going to be very foreign to you.
1: It'll, mm-hmm. it'll just be theory, essentially. I have uh, one sort of resource. If you're going to research, I like consuming my media mostly on Instagram because I like videos and I like the funny things that people create. And mm-hmm. one of a couple that we follow is Dana and the Wolf, and they do scenarios mm-hmm. around polyamorous interactions and talk about some of those awkward Mm -hmm. things and where the boundaries are. Um, And so yeah, check them out and check out other couples that are on Instagram, um, as well as us. And those can really give you an insight into like, what are some scenarios, even if we haven't been in them, what are some scenarios that could be possible? And then you can find your boundary there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think it's all really awesome advice. I do think it is important to think about your boundaries and to communicate them with your partner, I'll also to explore and be open to things. And when I think about coming up with those agreements, like after you've reviewed the list, for example, I think about how people think that monogamous people have a tendency to cheat and therefore opening is a solution because then you're talking about it in an ethical way. But you can also cheat in open relationships too. If we just think of cheating as a breaking of agreements, like maybe you have safe sex boundaries, for example, and then someone violates that. So curious where we put that in the realm of transgression, I might say. Like I feel like to a monogamous person, my partner cheats on me, that's it. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Our relationship is over versus how do you work with when those boundaries are overstepped and, and broken and when the agreements that you sat down at the dinner table and you, and you shook yeah. hands and decided that this is how your relationship is going to do. And then mm. in the moment, someone slips up.
2: Yeah. First we're, we're human beings. And as much as we can have again, the illusion of being this object of perfection and we're going to get it all right. And we're never going to fuck up. Um, That's a fairy tale. Like we're going to mess up. That's part of the human experience. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. And as you said, like in monogamy generally, and this is generalizing, but if someone messes up or cheats or has some form of transgression, there's this immediate, uh, oh, this person that I thought was going to be my everything was going to be my life that I thought I could trust beyond anything. They failed me. So that means that they're now dead to me, I now need to go create that um, new experience with someone else who I know is not going to do what this person did. And then as you said, in open relationships, like that also happens, there Mm -hmm. is, you know, cheating, there is the unethical side of things. However, what I do see more often in open relationships and consensual non monogamy is a greater appreciation for ownership and copping to when someone does make a mistake. There's like there's a more welcoming community of I want to hear when you've messed up. I want to hear when you're feeling sad. I want to hear when someone turns you on, even if it might make me feel uncomfortable, because this is how we can up-level our relationship. This is how we can go far past what we've been told from our parents in the way that relationships should be like, here are the roles, these are the what you're supposed to do. So in moments where you make mistakes, rather than saying, you made a mistake, I can never trust you again, it's, you've made a mistake. Let's dissect that. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you not feel comfortable? or safe sharing with me that you wanted to be intimate with this person. You might find out very quickly that it was a mistake, um, weren't thinking, endorphins were flying everywhere, I got my signals crossed, I thought we said something else, um, I, I'm i totally like just beyond myself sorry. Um, and now you can talk about it. Now it's mm-hmm. not this is the end, this is actually just the beginning. Of a new level that you can go into a relationship. Um, that's where I see most of the difference, but it does. It happens in any relationship dynamic, the possibility that people make mistakes.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting topic because the energy of betrayal is within most of us. <laughs> Either we have been betrayed or have betrayed. And uh I mean our our relationship our love started off in in a bit of that way and in monogamy I feel like there's a very distinct black and white of like this is this was wrong this is right and that's a sort of message to toward our that's a reflection of our binary thinking and in the consensual non-monogamous world things are Much less black and white and much more gray. And I Mm. find that the biggest challenge is actually to clarify the boundaries because often someone will think they are not cheating or they're not in that energy of betraying the other person. Because what they understood as the boundary was different for what, from what the other person understood as the boundary. And that to me is, uh, is challenging. That's really extra challenging because it gets into this like he said, she said, or she said, she said. And that's why I think being as clear as possible and then what Andre was saying is like people are more willing to have those discussions because the boundaries are not so black and white. And so it's like, oh well, maybe I didn't un- misunderstand, and the other person's like, yeah, maybe maybe I misunderstood too. So there's a little bit of a willingness to go into that gray space together. So yeah. I would just encourage people if they are seeking to explore in this way, you know, get get ready to be a little uncomfortable and and perhaps to have yeah. some of your boundaries pushed, and and especially if you're not like super clear with what your boundaries are, then your boundaries are gonna be challenged and that's also how you find your boundaries because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you get pushed beyond them
0: <laughs> get ready to no. be uncomfortable i thought this was going to be
1: fun <laughs> <laughs> and fun i mean there's there's no there's no really great thing without some discomfort right yeah. so yeah, it's creative, it's a blast. It's it has brought so much love and joy into our lives like in such a profound way. Our friends, our friend community, many of which we've been intimate with. There's just a different layer of connection and and intimacy, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um like we can call up anybody and be like, "Hey, can we stay in your house for a week starting mm-hmm. tomorrow?" And they're like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. What do you mean? <laughs> and that's a different And then kind they hear a knock style. at the door. Yeah, like... <laughs> actually, I'm here now.
2: <laughs> um, there was something else that came up as she was sharing, too. This idea around like, what is right, what is wrong. And we generally use some form of structure that we see in society or, or some form of religious structure to say, oh, according to this, what I'm doing is unethical or according to this, what I'm doing is sinful or according to this, um, I'm way off base and I need to like correct myself immediately. And I very gently say, you know, forget that and mm-hmm. you get to find out what feels right to you, what feels like your truth. Because I'll tell you what, like 90% of the way that Susanna and I live our life, if you read scripture in multiple different books, (laughs) we would be like, (laughs) if we stepped into any form of like holy place, we would like be set ablaze. But I don't feel that way. I feel actually very confident in my life in the way that I'm living it. I feel very fortunate and blessed to be sharing it with a partner who's also interested in the things that I'm interested in. So just because there's this idea of if you don't follow these steps you're doing it wrong or you're doing it in a way that's unethical mm-hmm. check check yourself and be like does that actually feel good to you? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that could be completely off base from the way that there's a society views this and that's something that I've learned a lot about myself in my growth, in my, the way that I have been, you know, unlearning the things that I thought were the "quote unquote" right way.
0: Hmm. So, as we're winding down, I would love just like some awesome tips. We've talked about the worksheet, we talked about the boundaries. You've had an you have an online course called Open to More. So, what are some of those really useful things that you teach in this
2: course? One of the first things that we teach is the piece on communication. Mm -hmm. A lot of individuals that I've met or I've worked with in my work have maybe felt like they were amazing communicators in the way that they talked about their desires or spoke up for the things that felt uncomfortable for them. And then we dive a little bit deeper and we find out that they might have some room for improvement in the way that they communicate. That we actually hold ourselves back quite a bit when we're sharing because we love someone and we don't want to hurt them and we're afraid Mm -hmm. of hurting them or we're afraid of getting in trouble. So we really open it up to say, you know, first, why are you interested in exploring? And that's where you start the conversation. Like being very honest. I'm interested in exploring because maybe our sex life has been a bit stale and I'm really interested in being able to have a juicy, sexy experience with another person or multiple other people. And that's where you can start to, again, go into that uncomfortable like space that Susanna mentioned. But by doing so, you start to feel more freedom in your body, like the things mm-hmm. that you've been suppressing and holding back and like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. You now can let that out and man, what a weight that is to just be able to be like, this is exactly how I'm feeling. And it might be hard to hear, but it's out there and I'm sharing it because I love you and I trust you to hold me in that. And I'm scared to death and sharing it, but there it is. Oof, like mm-hmm. just even saying that in this moment, I felt like light in my body. So that's mm-hmm. one of the big things that we teach.
1: Yeah. And the course is really just like packed with tools because we are doers in a lot of ways <laughs> mm-hmm. and and also believers that like you're not going to make big leaps in your relationship to open it up in this way without tiny steps. You have to take one step at a time mm-hmm. in order to get the next state or whatever (laughs) the 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 idea of taking one big leap and suddenly just changing is actually very uncomfortable for your relationship and can cause fractures Uh, so what we offer are 15 to 20 tools i think that we offer of rituals that we do which you had asked about at the beginning of like how do we how do we come into a place for 5 minutes and create a con- a little container of honest transparent communication okay yeah. okay check we did that this week now we're going to f- focus on appreciation how are we going to bring more appreciation into our partnership and let that become a ritual for us so that we are appreciating and honoring the other person. Check, okay, great. How are we going to create a moment of physical safety for ourselves before we walk into a play party? If Even if it's just 90 seconds, right, of just being there holding each other and sinking your your bodies, a lot of this is actually rooted in Tantra and, and how we like co-create our energetic fields which allows you to step into a space like that and know that you are aligned with your partner and to feel that safety and that trust so we go through all of those and then of course we offer a lot of our um, juicy and sometimes challenging stories of our of our <laughs> own journey <laughs> yeah. and we have we had a we had a big old fight on, on screen that yeah. was fun yeah. while, while that was great following. Yeah. So you get to see on that. Purpose? You get to. <laughs> yeah. No. <I> mean- <laughs> or, or just how. it wasn't expected. It, it was, wasn't expected.
2: Yeah. It was uh, unexpected
1: yeah. and it was perfect because we want everyone to see that like this is not all perfect, right? This is not all like happy and joyful. It is. You got to move through the stuff. But once you do that, the reward on the other end, the nectar is so yummy. Mm. So, yeah, we go through all those things. And, yes, you get to hear lots of sexy stories as well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then we also, like, give you tips on how to explore. Like, how do you actually step out into getting to a place where you're bringing a new person into your dynamic or multiple people or going to a play party and giving tips on how to prepare for that and how to navigate that? Um, Because there's there's a lot of people that are interested in that. And Mm -hmm. there's just so much fear around I'm not ready or I don't have the experience. So there's no way I could go there. You can, you can. And we, we kind of give you the, the tools on how to, well,
0: thank you so much, both of you. I feel like you're going to have to come back on for sexy story time.
2: Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: but before we close, I do have to ask you both the final question that I ask all of my guests, and we'll do it one at a time. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Andre, first, what do you wish everyone knew about
2: love? I wish that everyone knew that love is ever-changing and the way that you love now and who you love now in this moment might shift tomorrow or a week from now. And that's okay. That the fact that you change in the way that you love or who you love doesn't mean that you've failed. It just means that you've now grown in a new way that you didn't know before. Love it. Love
0: is ever-changing. And Susanna, what do you wish everyone knew about love?
1: I love this question. When you asked it, I just got chills. It was so good. I'll start with a quote from Love Actually, which is, love really is all around. (laughs) And one of my favorite movies. And a reminder that love, that you are love, that love is your divine essence, that love actually is not anywhere outside of you. It simply is you. And the deeper you go within yourself to love every part of yourself, all of those parts that sometimes we don't want to look at, the more we can love those parts in ourselves, the more we can open ourselves to receive and then give love to others. And that divine essence will always nourish you.
0: I love it. And. The listeners couldn't see Andre giving Susanna a beautiful little kiss on the cheek as she was expressing her love of love. And I'm just feeling it right now. My heart is so full. Thank you both for coming on to the show. For our listeners who want to learn more about you, how can they find you?
1: Well, they can follow coming closer with Andre on Instagram and then they can go to www.coming closer.com, which is where they'll find the course. They'll find Andre's offerings um, and, they will, and, and our offerings. We also do couples' work um, together. And then they can also follow me at Susanna Roses, um, Susanna with an H, and uh, on Instagram. And I do a lot of energy work. So happy to connect with your beautiful community
0: wonderful so thank you so much andre lazarus and susanna rose for coming on to the show and thank you, listeners, for listening to the show. We hope you remember all the valuable lessons we learned today, including mistakes are just learning opportunities. And creating a really solid foundation before opening up is one of the best things you can do, which you can do by practicing caste, communication, appreciation, safety, and trust. And after that, you have to let go and surrender. All monogamy, including ethical non-monogamy, exists on a spectrum, so it's important to figure out your boundaries. And don't communicate just what you want to do, but why you want to do it as you take tiny little steps. Create rituals for honest, transparent communication, and remember that love is ever-changing and that you are love. If you want to learn more about me, you can head to zachbeach.com and learn more about the show at theheartcenter.com. Thanks again, Andre and Susanna. Thank you, Zach.
1: Thank you, thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to zachbeach.com or theheartcenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter,
2: and Instagram.